This program is brought to you by Brining Institute, which has provided higher education, training, testing, and certification for addiction professionals since 1986. All right, so for the past couple hours here, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked a lot about the law and from perspective. What I would hope you would do is start to look at this thing as a professional level, as something that all of us are responsible for. It's not something to be laughed at. It isn't anything to just think it's okay. You really need as, if, if we're all gonna do this thing the way we're supposed to do it, this has to be at the top of the list because it impacts a lot of people. And when, you know, for so long, sexual harassment has been kind of pushed around because of the good old boy network, because of all sorts of circumstances as, as far as the way all of us were brought up and the, and the time frame we were brought up in, whether or not our parents were, were clear on a lot of those subjects. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way it was. But now it's different. And now it's important, and now it's something that we as an industry, and particularly all of us individually as professionals in this industry, we need to keep this at the top of the list, because if we don't, it won't change. And I demonstrated to you a couple of times how the impact is far and wide. It will impact people, 40, 50 people. And we don't even think of it in those terms, and we need to start thinking about it that way because you have to determine who's a victim and it's not always the one who got touched you see it's those that watched it it's those that heard it that kind of stuff and that's why I like this idea of a third person perspective because the idea behind that is now we get to no more assumptions we're, we're a player in the game we're no, no longer assuming that she had it coming which we've heard for a hundred years. Or if they didn't dress that way, they had to know what they, were, what they were driving by the way they dressed when they got up in the morning. Those are all really, truly unfair. What if it's all they had? See, we don't think that far out. What if that's all that that young lady had to put on that day? Tough place to be. And what if, all, what if she knew that it looked uh, attractive but couldn't do anything about it because it's all she had those are places that we all have to take into consideration because all of you know the populations we work with they don't have lots of money they don't they can't buy new outfits at the turn of a hat all that stuff has to be taken into consideration now because it will cause things it'll bring things about and it could be of the least attended period, but yet it appears to be. Notice in everything that's written, it's about the assumption. It's about the appearance. It's about that stuff. We have to take that into consideration or we're not gonna be able to move this thing forward. And it was brought to my attention at the break and I thank the person that did that for me because throughout this whole morning, I didn't think about it from a lesbian or gay point of view. And it's not my fault because that's the way it was written. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I want you to understand that that's a whole other set of, of, of parameters that we have to take into consideration. We have to. You know? 
But are we? First and foremost, are we capable? You see, we, there's a lot of us, particularly in this industry, who have come through some pretty rough places. And we've had some pretty challenging things happen in our lifetime. And for the most part, that's what brought us here. We have to take all that stuff into consideration when we start to judge or we start to promote circumstances or behavior from our colleagues, from our, from our clients, from our program. Everybody involved in what we do needs to be aware of what we do. Because without that, we don't have anything. If you stop and think about our industry, it's very unique in that it's the only industry that only has two things to stand on confidentiality and integrity. So if we aren't uh, modeling this idea of integrity, then what do we have? What are we giving to our clients? We're absolutely nothing. Because they don't, for the most part, have a lot of that when they come to us because of the circumstances that they have been involved with for God knows how many years. And we're always asking people to change their behavior, right? Isn't that the big deal? That's what, that's what sobriety is all about. You've got to change your behavior. Well, are we modeling that behavior? Does a, a calendar of firemen with their shirts off model that behavior? And not to poke fun at it, but, but stop and think that for somebody across the room, that may be totally inappropriate, and we don't even know why. You see? And I'm not saying we all got to be uh, like I'd made the, the reference earlier, having wings growing out of our back. Because there certainly isn't any angels in my family. I guarantee you that. But I do know one thing about my family is we're all trying really hard to do the right thing. See, if we base everything that we do on being a decent human being and doing the next right thing, that takes in just about everything we're going to come involved with in this industry. <coughs> The, the little story that we talked about off camera was I was in a position to do the next right thing. Now that next right thing may not have looked like the next right thing to another person, but it was for me. And somebody earlier mentioned about the way they feel and can they continue to do this under these circumstances. The next right thing will tell you what direction to take because it's your next right thing. And when people observe the next right thing, the next right thing happens. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. See, we oftentimes get caught up in relationships. And, and it happens all the time because, well, I'll just tell it like it is. Most of us weren't very good at relationships. And I, and I guarantee you that's the majority. We're not very good at relations because of our past behavior, because of what we're involved in. Whatever the case may be, it doesn't make any difference because now it is about that. And if we're not modeling that kind of behavior, if we're not practicing strong, healthy relationships based on what we talked about this morning, it won't ever change. It will continue. The good old boy thing will continue. The bosses will have power through sexual or, or uh, connotations, and then that's not the best right, the next right thing. That's letting the same old be the same old. Now, we don't have to stand on a on an apple crate and spout our intentions, but we certainly can live by them. 
every code of conduct that's written in our industry is directed at this kind of stuff. But how often do we really do that? And how often do we, I should really say, how often do we really don't do that? How often do we do what fits and is comfortable immediately? Because all of us, and I think you probably all know this, <coughs> instant gratification was a key to most of our lifestyles for a very long time. <laughs> and that could have come in all kinds of forms. And uh, you know what? We're right in the middle of it right now based on what we talked about this morning. Instant gratification or in instant uh, consideration would be to turn the cheek in most cases because it eliminates a lot of hassle. It eliminates a lot of problems, but it doesn't stop the chaos. The chaos will continue and then there'll be another victim and then there'll be another person hurt. There'll be this, it just will continue to evolve. One of these days, all of us that work in the industry, and there's 26,000 of us in California, need to say, that's inappropriate. And it may not be inappropriate to us internally, but it may be that conversation that was heard across the room, right? It's inappropriate. When do I start to respect her understandings? As opposed to what's just uh, considered quick and easy for me. Because we made a joke out of that comment, right? About that she didn't look as old as she said she was. And that was inappropriate over here. Which was so cool because that's the truth. To, to be honest with you, that consideration never entered my mind. I want you to know I did that as an example. But in the context of that example, that didn't come into play. And that, where does that put me? not very respectful of everybody in the room, only what is considered that initial confrontation between me and another human being. Another thing that was brought up to me at the break is, is the, the, the lesbian gay perspective of all of this stuff. We oftentimes overlook that because why? We have preconceived ideas of those populations. And I would venture to guess that all of our preconceived ideals of those two populations are so far wrong that it's not even funny. But how many times do we sit down and take that into consideration? If we're not, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? If we're not, are we doing the next right thing? I don't think so. I, I can't honestly say that if I'm not considering the group and their individual needs that I'm really doing what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm not. Now is that a little over the top? For those that it's a little over the top for may need to review their stuff because it's what's asked of us. It's not, it's not something that we just do. It's something that's asked of us in this industry. This industry is so unique that things of, of sexual harassment is a big deal where out on the corner it may not be that big a deal. You know, they, they actually mentioned whistling and, and animal noises and all that kind of stuff. Where the, most of 99% of the time that will bring a chuckle to most of us. But 99% of the time, given certain circumstances, it's totally inappropriate, somebody's been offended, and now we've, we've perpetuated that thing again. 
when do we all say, you know what, that's not okay with me. Now, we may be the only one standing there when that occurs. But I guarantee you, you'll get the ear of most of the people that, is, that are close by. And it may be that they give the impression that it's not anything to them, but they're going to be thinking about it. And the next time something like that occurs, it may just be that two of the ten do the next right thing. See, we, we have to do that kind of stuff because if we don't, we're not going to have a whole lot to stand on. We always talk about integrity. We always talk about modeling behavior. That just kills me. And I'm guilty of it as well. Go in there and ask a client to do this, that, and the other thing. Right? And stand in the parking lot of an AA meeting and talk about everybody that was at the meeting. <laughs> now, I mean, come on. That's exactly what this is all about. And I'm guilty of it, just like everybody else. Don't do it so much anymore. Try not to do it, and conscious of it. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean it's perfect, but at least it's a step in the right direction. And that's, I think that's all that any of these trainings are about, is to, to be observant of the next step, not necessarily changing overnight, because our clients can't do that. How would we be able to do it? We're all clients, for Christ's sake. We really are, most of us, and probably weren't very good at it. Huh? I mean, if you stop and think about it, we probably were a pain in somebody's butt. Right? I tell a story all the time. The first four days I was in treatment, I told them a different name every time they asked me. Even though it was up on the door above my detox room, I, every time somebody asked me, I'd give them a different name. You know why? Number one, I didn't belong there. And number two, I wouldn't like any of them. Fast forward 17 years and I got a whole different idea of that. So that's a step in the right direction, right? It's not perfect, but we're getting there. That's what everybody's asking of all of us. That's what this thing's all about. If we do the next right thing, if we model the behavior that we ask of other human beings, we're probably going to be okay. So, the little pre-test or post-test thing, just something to take, to look at, something to think about, okay? Based on what we've talked about today, do you have a better understanding of sexual harassment? I don't know. You do. On top of that, can you identify it a little bit clearer now? I mean, we certainly broadened that stroke in this conversation today. We talked about language. We talked about all kinds of things. Where maybe before today, it was not that big a deal. And, and it may be after today, it may not be that big a deal. But at least maybe we'll be conscious of it now. You see, that's important. It's really important. How can I prevent sexual harassment in the workplace? I don't know that single-handedly any of us can. I really don't. But I guarantee you that if enough of us take care of our responsibilities, it'll change. There's, it's very difficult for a program or an organization, particularly in today's uh, uh, money climate, it's very difficult to let go of somebody who does a good job. It's really hard to do. It's very hard. But it might be necessary in order to change the culture in that particular place. I, always, I, I encourage all, I work with a lot of new programs, you guys, help them with their applications for license and all that stuff. And as far as setting up the programs, doing that's part of what, what my job in my real life is all about. 
and I, and I impress on all of them all the time to take the code of conduct that your employees have signed to heart. As a matter of fact, you should adopt your own company policies and proceed our, our code of conduct from it. Because then everybody's on the same page and it's not different. Now I'm not talking about severity because that's going to be everybody's interpretation based on what they have, based on where the program is, all that stuff comes into play. But the nuts and bolts of it are a great place to start. And if we don't start to do that, it will never change. And it has to change or it won't. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Now, how does that change occur? That if all 26,000 of us at one point during the day say, that doesn't work for me. That just doesn't work for me. It's pretty easy to do. And I guarantee you sleep better at night. I've, I tell everybody that I work with all the time, everywhere I go, that if you fall asleep at night before your head hits the pillow, you had a damn good day. Now there's a lot behind that. That's about doing the next right thing at every turn. That's about taking into consideration everybody that surrounds you, not who you have direct eye contact with. Because we proved that earlier. Hell, my back was turned. <laughs> and it affected somebody. That's beautiful. That's a great example of what we're supposed to be doing. Now, take into consideration what is the next right thing in a circumstance like that is to look to her and say, how can I make that different for you? You see? Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'll try to make it different. That doesn't take a lot to say that, but it takes a lot of hair on your rear end to come up with it. You know? I mean, if you're honest about it, and somebody can call you on something, then you're doing the next right thing. But how long, and, and through most of our lives, anybody called me on anything, they're gonna get it with both barrels. As opposed to, thanks for bringing that to my attention. And I'll certainly try to do something different. That's all. If that starts, the whole thing will change. When you change. start to talk about sexual harassment, you really have to take into consideration everything. And language is a big deal, and we don't make a big, a big enough deal of it. You know, I used to pass off cussing during trainings as being an old drunk sailor, because that's what we do. Until a couple of years ago when somebody called me on that at the break, and they literally said, you're so full of, you know, why don't you just not cuss? Then we'll all feel good. And I went, oh, okay. All righty then. And I've tried to tone it down ever since. But it's stuck in my mind. It was a very clear point, even though I never had even thought much about offending anybody, because usually when I do that kind of stuff, it's the, the circumstances, it's almost allowable, but it isn't for all 15, but I'm thinking it is, see? That's where you got to be conscious of the things that we do, and that's that whole thing about modeling behavior. That's that whole thing about doing the next right thing is all about this kind of I tell a story too about a friend of mine who sponsors a lot of guys <clears throat> and generally you can tell when his sponsees are at a 12-step meeting because they all got ties on and they're all sitting in a row together and they're all acting very appropriately now a lot of us think that's pretty goofy but you know what he's got a wonderful success rate because he starts from the beginning 
and says if you dress appropriately, you might just act appropriately. You know? And, and everybody made fun of it for a long time. They, look, they really look like a mother duck, you know, trying to cross the street with like 10 ducklings behind her, all identical, all making the same move, all sitting in the same place. It was a big joke. But when you stop and think about it, what a great place to start, particularly for somebody who had never been there before. You see, you'd be surprised at how much better they listened. Half of us couldn't tell you what went on in that meeting, and they could recite it, right? And we're all the ones with 10, 12 years of sobriety that, you know, we're all that in a bag of chips because we've been around so long, yet we could learn a valuable lesson from somebody simply by dressing appropriately. Pretty cool. That's all about this, that's what this whole thing's about. Okay, what are the theories of the root causes of sexual harassment? What are they? What's the background sexual harassment? A couple of ladies in the early 60s did what? A research. They finally said enough is enough, right? And did something about it. What do you do if sexual harassment happens? As an employee, victim, or witness? What do you do? Talk about it. Okay? I don't know who that's going to be, but talk about it. No more sweeping stuff under the rug. What boundaries can you set as an employee to prevent sexual harassment? What boundaries can you set as an employer? I think for first and foremost, if we all set the boundary of personal space, we'll be much better off. Now that's just a personal point of view, but I w I'm willing to bet that it would change a lot of things. See, because I think we've, we've moved past everybody hugging each other, I, and I'm not saying that facetiously, and I, don't take me wrong when I say this, but I think that it's about time that all of us respect the other person's personal space as opposed to thinking of our own. Because a lot of us think, well, it's okay with me. It's got to be okay with them. Particularly if they've been around uh, sobriety or recovery for a very long time. Well, some of us actually start there and grow out of that where it's not okay, but we put up with it because that's what we do. That may not work, particularly when it's mixed company. It just may not work. I don't want to be the one responsible for somebody else feeling uncomfortable. That's a great place to start. If I take into consideration the other human being before I take into consideration my own prejudice or beliefs or whatever, I'm going to be much better off in the long run because that person then in turn will have more respect for me. That works. Okay? So when you think about boundaries, think about the other person's boundaries before you implement your own. That's a great place to start. Anybody have any questions? Thank you all. <laughs>